Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 51 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in Isaiah 14 through 28. Our first chapter today, chapter 14, is a must-read chapter. It begins with God's great hope for Israel. The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. And this, they will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. Then the chapter turns to a taunt against the king of Babylon, beginning with these lines. How the oppressor has come to an end. How his fury has ended. The language is fascinating as it depicts the downfall of the king of Babylon. Yet, the same passage clearly has larger application to the supernatural realm. Listen to these few lines. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Like a corpse trampled underfoot, you will not join them in burial, for you have destroyed your land and killed your people. God then moves to the Assyrians, assuring that their downfall is also certain, because the Almighty has purposed it. The final lines of the chapter are a prophecy against the Philistines. The poorest of the poor will find pasture, and the needy will lie down in safety. But your root I will destroy by famine. It will slay your survivors. Chapter 15 is a prophecy against Moab. Ar in Moab is ruined, destroyed in a night. Ker in Moab is ruined, destroyed in a night. My favorite part, however, of this heartbreaking prophecy are these heart-revealing words spoken by God. My heart cries out over Moab. Those words revealing God's deep compassion even for the surrounding nations. Chapter 16 continues the prophecy against Moab. The oppressor will come to an end and destruction will cease. The aggressor will vanish from the land. The chapter is summed up in these final words. This is the word the Lord has already spoken concerning Moab. But now the Lord says, Within three years, as a servant bound by contract would count them, Moab's splendor and all her many people will be despised, and her survivors will be very few and feeble. Chapter 17 is a prophecy against Damascus. See? Damascus will no longer be a city, but will become a heap of ruins. The cities of Aurora will be deserted and left to flocks, which will lie down with no one to make them afraid. The great suffering that will also come to the Israelites, their glory will fade, will ultimately cause the people to turn back to God. In that day, people will look to their maker and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. And they would turn away from their idols. The chapter ends with God telling the reader that his people have forgotten him and so will not prosper. 
On top of that, they will live in terror, looted and plundered. Chapter 18 is a prophecy against Cush. Woe to the land of whirring wings along the rivers of Cush, which sends envoys by sea and papyrus boats over the water. These tall, smooth-skinned people of Cush, feared by those far and wide, will ultimately bring gifts to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord Almighty. Chapter 19 is a prophecy against Egypt. See, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and is coming to Egypt. The idols of Egypt tremble before him, and the hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. God indicates that the Egyptians will engage in civil war and lose heart, their plans coming to nothing. God will hand the Egyptians over to the power of a cruel master, and a fierce king will rule over them. In that day, the Egyptians will become weaklings. They will shudder with fear at the uplifted hand that the Lord Almighty raises against them. And yet, in that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a monument to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. When they cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors, he will send them a savior and defender. He will rescue them. The rest of the chapter is a magnificent promise that the Egyptians and Assyrians will come to know and follow God. Chapter 20 is a prophecy against Cush and Egypt. It was a dramatic sign. Isaiah was instructed to take off the sackcloth in which he was clothed and his sandals as a symbol that Egypt, whom Israel had trusted, would be defeated by the Assyrians. Chapter 21 is a prophecy about Babylon, followed by prophecies against Edom and then Arabia. The prophecy about Babylon declares that, A dire vision has been shown to me. The traitor betrays, the looter takes loot. Elam, attack! Media, lay siege! I will bring to an end all the groaning she caused. Following this prophecy, Isaiah is instructed to post a lookout, and the lookout's message... Day after day, my Lord, I stand on the watchtower. Every night I stay at my post. Look, here comes a man in a chariot with a team of horses, and he gives back the answer, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. Following this, the prophecies against Edom and then Arabia. The last lines of the chapter are these. This is what the Lord says to me. Within one year, a servant bound as a servant bound by contract would count it. All the splendor of Kedar will come to an end. The survivors of the archers, the warriors of Kedar, will be few. Chapter 22 is a prophecy about Jerusalem. All your leaders have fled together. They have been captured without using the bow. All you who were caught were taken prisoner together, having fled while the enemy was still far away. And then these magnificent words illuminating again God's heart. Therefore I said, turn away from me. Let me weep bitterly. Do not try to console me over the destruction of my people. The Lord stripped away the defenses of Judah, and you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. You built a reservoir between the two walls of the water of the old pool, but you did not look to the one who made it or have regard for the one who planned it long ago. 
Then a prophecy is uttered against Sheba, the palace administrator, that he would be hurled away from the place, deposed of his office. He would be replaced by Eliakim. Chapter 23 is a prophecy against Tyre. Wail, you ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed and left without house or harbor. From the land of Cyprus, word has come to them. The entire prophecy is one of mourning for the desolation of Tyre because the Lord Almighty planned it to bring down her pride in all her splendor and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. It's then prophesied that after 70 years, song would again be heard in the city, having returned to her lucrative prostitution and plying her trade with the nations. Yet her prophet would be set apart for the Lord. Chapter 24, a chapter well worth reading, is a prophecy regarding the devastation of the earth. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. Why? The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. In that day, the Lord will punish the powers in the heavens above and the kings on the earth below. Chapter 25, another must read, is a song of praise. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigners' stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. In that day they will say, Surely this is our God, we trusted Him, and He saved us. This is the Lord, we trusted in Him. Let us rejoice and be glad in His salvation. Chapter 26, another chapter, by the way, well worth reading, is another song of praise. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. When grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil and do not regard the majesty of the Lord. The chapter goes on to indicate that the enemies of God will have been brought to final ruin. The chapter also foretells resurrection, that the dead will live again. Chapter 27 is about the deliverance for Israel. It's a story of God's people learning peace through pain and experiencing ultimate restoration. Those who were perishing in Assyria and those who were exiled in Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. One of the most beautiful passages, or else, let them come to me for refuge. Let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. 
In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the earth, excuse me, all the world with fruit. Chapter 28 is a woe on the leaders of Ephraim and Judah. The center of the prophecy contains these words to God's people who who refuse to listen. Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of repose. But they would not listen. So then, the word of the Lord to them will become, Do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little a little here, a little there, so that as they go, they will fall backward. They will be injured and snared and captured. Although the leaders imagine they have made a covenant with death and thus cannot die, they will come to find they're simply deluded and be carried away anyway. A noteworthy passage is found in this chapter as well. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rouse himself as in the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. The chapter ends with several references to the work a farmer does in planting, harvesting, and threshing grain. And that's all for today.